Hello, and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast where we cover magic, herbalism, and more. I'm Shannon. And I'm Nick. And we're your co-hosts. So today, I'm going to be talking about all things oat. You heard that right. That's a hot topic. I'm taking us all on a field trip to the sunnier side of things, and specifically uh, the sunrise side of things so i'm talking about aurora the goddess of the dawn and we're going to be talking about a little bit of sunrise magic of our own and so you guys today i am going to be talking to you all about aurora the roman goddess of the dawn i mean no because we really we we really hit some very nocturnal topics in the last episode we have um and we've we've kind of been on like a little a little kick too because we did the moon episode um yeah our marathon episode which yeah sorry you guys but thanks to you all who who stuck it in there because i know we know we i mean we've heard back from some of you guys so it's like we know you you stuck it out till the end and uh gosh so appreciated i do have Uh, to say aurora is the princess in probably one of my top five princess movies because maleficent is the best villain she can turn into a fucking dragon that's true yes maleficent is the best villain also maleficent was such a good movie like yeah both of them i did not watch that movie expecting to be like bawling crying yeah but i mean on a side note for everyone out there that does not know me personally I will cry during pretty much any movie. Don't yeah. watch movies with me. So no, um, Nick and I are the same way. It's like if there's a commercial that really plucks <laughs> at the heartstrings, like no, I'm really though. Up. Yeah, I'm like, like goddamn. No, I get on, it. Like, like watching like Hallmark, like going home for the holidays, and like my mom's watching Hallmark Channel, and it's like some of the some of the commercials for the movies, even where I'm like, oh god, no. No, I we just watched <laughs> um, a man named Scott, the Kid Cudi documentary. Oh, sure. And I definitely almost like hard cried at yeah. different points in that. And for anyone that can like, I guess everyone, if you're watching or listening to this, I sound a little congested and y'all will probably hear a lot of like water drinking. It is at 12% humidity in Southern California right now. And it's going to get down into like potentially single digit humidity and like part of uh, the LA basin. So it is dry right now so i just i'm sorry for any weird vocal stuff y'all are hearing and the fact that i'm probably going to end up having to take some cough breaks throughout this so just love it fair warning for those of you that are maybe sensitive to those type of sounds i apologize i'm doing my best we we all are i mean it's also like the sunday before thanksgiving right now so i know that we have both been very busy this weekend Yes. But we are busting this fucking episode out because we we bust our asses for you people. Because we love you and we want to bring you the best content. So, okay, so we're so we're taking a little break from all of the nocturnal themed episodes for like one minute. We're coming into the light. We're coming into the light. We're talking about Aurora, the goddess of the dawn. And so right off the bat. I feel like I should let you guys know that she's definitely one of those goddesses that is just like ripped from the myths and poetry of Greece. So 
if you guys are at all interested sort of past what we talk about here on the show so you guys can find more info about aurora under her greek name which was eos which is eos so but no i feel like aurora was very much like a natural choice here uh, in like a morning time dawn themed episode yeah um, i feel like that's the other side of daylight savings time ending that people don't talk about as much but like morning people like me are just like hey the cool part of this though is it gets light earlier and actually i think this is was actually a really funny kind of thing to happen because i feel like you are so much more of a morning person than i am yeah so so when we're talking about morning magic i i am gonna like dig in a little bit and and sort of get you to lay out sort of your morning routine because i am just i am just not that much of a morning person (laughs) But I think, uh, uh, so a bit of background before we get into the really juicy bits, though. Uh, So Aurora is the sister of Sol, the god embodiment of the sun, and Luna, the goddess of the moon, who is also like a copy and paste style deity of Selene. So Selene, who we covered a few weeks ago, uh, was the Greek goddess of the moon. And Luna is basically Selene with a cool new name. Uh, she's like like hannah montana you know she put on a blonde wig and now she's luna but so the trio they're like the sky gods they're not the sky god sky god or like sky daddy himself jupiter uh but they're the sky gods you know like you got the sun you got the moon you got dawn we're all hanging out in the sky they're the gods who are in charge of the stuff in the sky Right. Uh, So the legend goes that every morning, Aurora gets herself dolled up. And that's a big part of it as well. It's like getting around, you know, so she can fly across the sky and announce the arrival of her brother, the sun. An important thing to note here is that there's a very, very specific time that constitutes dawn. Everything else is just sunrise. So dawn is when you can see the glow of the sun kind of creeping over the horizon. But as soon as you can see even a little bit of the sun, that is sunrise. Yeah. We wanted to be clear about what dawn is because we think of Aurora, we think of the Aurora Borealis or like the Northern and Southern Lights. And they're named that because... It's the glow. It's like the glow, but you can still like see the night sky through it. And that's dawn. Okay. So like many of the Greco-Roman gods, though, Aurora has had many lovers. Ooh, la la. And so one of them is actually, if you think about it, the light of dawn does commingle with a starry night sky because it's literally just when it's shifting over. So she dated... Uh, Astraeus, who was the father, the father of the stars. Uh, Sexy. I get, I say dated, but I mean, I, they didn't have to get married. They're gods. They were just, they were yeah. fucking around. They were fucking around. They were, they were fucking. It's what gods do. That's what gods do. And their children. So the only known children of Aurora are the winds, the four winds or the, um, the Enimoi. Which I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it's the four winds, north, south, east, and west, cardinal directions, obviously. And actually, I think this is a good time to mention this. 
sort of like Celine, Aurora did not have a devoted cult following or sort of a swinging chain of busy temples. Like Zeus had that. Artemis had that. Apollo had that. Mercury had that. There were gods that people went out and they went to church, basically, you know, for all of us that were raised in in America, it's like they went to church on the right days and they they worshiped these people, but there was no cult. There was no cult following to speak of, of Aurora. And so most of the information that survives from this time about the goddess Aurora comes to us in the form of erotic poetry and also some very risque pottery, I wanted to ask. And, you know, sometimes I do little asks for people to... Uh, to talk back to us on Instagram or in the emails or whatever. But I kind of want to know what people's opinion on morning sex is. Because the Romans obviously were like, dawn is a very sexy time. Yeah. Because, because there's a lot, there's a lot of very risque pot. Can we bring back risque pottery? Yeah, I want a lot more like sculptures with big dicks sitting on yeah. coffee tables. So, I mean, that's we'll talk about that. Yeah, but uh, but I, I, I certainly see I, I mean, I like I like morning sex. Like I'm a dude, though. You know what I mean? It's like there's that morning wood. You wake morning up alert. Wood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're alert in the morning. And so is uh, your your pee pee. And <laughs> but we- also we are mature adults here, <laughs> Nicholas, talking about our PP. <laughs> but no, it's it's funny though because it's like I feel like if I was having sex at night, I would be bothered by like morning breath or like bed hair. You know, it's like I would be more attentive to the aesthetic of it all. But I think m- you can really only have good morning sex with someone that you have like a good romantic attachment to. So. Uh, you can also masturbate yeah. in the morning, though, so you don't have to have too much. Yeah, romance. if you're like not on the same sexy schedule as your sig off, yeah. you know, I think to me, I think so as a morning person, the thing that sure. I see as sexy about the mornings where I can kind of like get this from the Romans is it feels like the mornings are when we're at our most uninhibited, right? Like right. we haven't gotten ready for the day. We haven't been around other humans. It's like, we're kind of coming out of this like sleep coma that we still, science still doesn't know exactly why we sleep, <laughs> but it's like you wake up and it's like, you have this fresh start with like nothing else has imprinted on you from the day. You haven't like, trip you know going to get your coffee and piss yourself off or like you know had to hear some bad news it's like you're just like fresh in the morning yeah it's just you and just I think you. that's the thing that's very it, it is it's like very uninhibited and so it's sexy but I get what you're saying where I do feel it's like more in an intimate way because like I don't want people that I don't know very well to see me before I'm a human which is kind of what first thing in the morning feels right like. it's very animalistic it's yeah very animalistic time of day you're, you're kind of operating on your instincts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I but 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 they were into it. Uh, I they were I feeling cer- it. I certainly like it. Uh, so you know, my question to people out there is: morning sex, yes or no? But we gotta we gotta keep we gotta keep plugging. So we cannot do we cannot do a segment on the Lady of the Dawn, Aurora, without talking about her famous romance with Tythonus. 
Ooh, Tithonus. Oh, 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 oh. Really, this one gets weird, you guys. So buckle the, the fuck best up. best ones do. So I'm here for it. I'm excited. So you guys, you're, you're going to be like, where the fuck did we end up by the end of this? Because we're talking about Aurora. We're talking about the goddess of dawn. I go in. I'm doing research. I'm thinking, I've, I read Celine recently. I know it's just going to be real similar to Eos and there's going to be no surprises around the corner. And we're just going to talk about having coffee and <laughs> um, and getting ready for the day. But now we're talking about sexy pottery and this. Yeah, okay. I feel like you think of when in modern times, when people think of sexy stuff, they think of like the night and like glitter. Yes. But yeah. I'm like, no, nah, man, as a morning person, though, I'm just like, that's right. It's like, we're cool too, man. Morning people are hot. You're not yeah, hot the at mor- the The morning is hot. But okay, so she was getting hot with the Prince of the Trojans, Tythonus. And she's like, you know, like Celine, she's like, she saw this princely hero and she... You know, he had a big sword swinging around and she was like, I am a fucking goddess. Let me make this my man's real quick. It's like, I want you to swing that big old sword in my direction. Yes, please. Thank you. So (laughs) very cool start. Everything is cool and fine so far. So like Celine, we have Aurora going to ask Jupiter for a favor to make her Trojan man's immortal. And so we do have to remember that Selene had asked Zeus to make her lover immortal, and he did, but the catch was that he would be asleep forever. Not that that stopped her from boning him in a cave for decades and decades and decades, while he could not provide actual consent, but we are not here to rehash that. No, no, no. All of that to say is that Jupiter does it. Jupiter makes Tythonus immortal, but there's a big fucking catch. So he pulled this like genie wish. (laughs) Oh no. Shit. Where he's basically like, yeah, so you asked me to make him immortal, which I did, but you never asked me to make him eternally youthful. So dick move so so he's gonna keep aging forever so like this is actually not the best news to have to break to your boyfriend your immortal boyfriend who you've asked to make immortal uh and you you did it you made him immortal yay yeah you're immortal that's so cool right like we get to be together forever but you're not gonna stop aging. And he's like, oh, wait, what? (laughs) I know. Be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. (laughs) Oh, uh, so basically he's gonna be still having a pretty normal life though until he passes the normal human lifespan. So he's getting old at the normal rate. Yeah. So in his 60s and 70s, fine. You know, maybe... 80s or 90s, even up to 100, we're still doing okay. But once he passes sort of the normal human lifespan, his like bones are so achy and his mind starts to go because he's not, he's just immortal. 
he's not immune to any of the other problems of aging that any other human would would be dealing with and they get worse and worse and worse because he won't die so he's sort of lost in this fog of old age and when he's not lost in this fog of old age and and really pain too yeah they say that he was in just incredible pain God, I can't imagine because I'm 30 and I hurt a lot more than I thought I would. Right. Big same. So so he's begging for death. Like when he's not spaced out on the pain and the basically, you know, the dementia of it all. He's begging to die. And obviously she's very disturbed by this. I think anyone would be. But, you know, he's he's like the reverse portrait of Dorian Gray. Or or, oh. or, or or like he is the portrait of Dorian Gray. He's like he's the portrait part. He's the portrait <laughs> part. So I, he can't even get up anymore, and so she's ruined his life, and she realizes she has to take some kind of action. Like yeah, there's got something's got to give. We can't just keep torturing this man. So she did what any sensible and educated goddess in her situation would do. And she turned her man, who was screaming for death, into the very first cicada. Aww. Screaming forever. Yeah, screaming forever. So, (laughs) So just know, all of you guys out there, that the reason they're screaming so loudly is because Aurora made her boy toy immortal without thinking about the implications. And that's actually a suffering immortal screaming to die. So something to think about over your iced tea on the patio. Um, So romantic. So romantic. And I can see why that story really made the ancient Romans horny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's got everything. Cicadas, which we all know is the sexiest insect. (laughs) Do we? Okay. Okay. We do. But you guys, you guys, that is that is one story. So I, I think it's it is important to note that that was my favorite story. Yeah, I had to pick one. And that one, I mean, it was kind of funny. Y'all know I'm a bit of a goof. I like when it I like when it takes a weird turn. But if you are interested in working with Aurora, which if you were interested in that, it would be very beneficial for people who maybe want to be better morning people, which we're going to talk about a bit later on after Shannon talks to us about all the all the oats, Holland oats. Um, Hall and the oats. <laughs> Hall and the oats. So, but if you guys are interested in working with Aurora to get your morning game on point, in the magical way. Her known associations are with the chariot symbolism. So sort of like Celine, they, I don't know why, like when I look at the sun and the moon, I see spheres, but they were like, that's a fucking chariot. Oh yeah. Uh, So, you know, and I, I think it must be like a family thing. Like, you know, those, those sun, you know, like the dawn and the moon being sisters and horse girls. Hell yeah. Horse so, girls for the win. But also, so saffron and turmeric. And I think these would both be great additions to a Turkish coffee. We're going to talk about working with coffee magically later on. But both of those or one of them would be good. And uh, 
the golden glow creeping over the horizon that is that iconic representation of dawn is present in both turmeric and saffron. I mean, obviously, turmeric is a lot cheaper than saffron. Well, and I, I mean, I put turmeric in my morning tea blend a lot because it's really good for inflammation. And so I run, I'm a runner. And so I put it in my morning tea anyway. So we can talk about morning routines later, but I'm like, yeah, we're going to, yeah, oh, and we definitely, we definitely will. But, uh, and of course, the cicada is an iconic symbol associated with Aurora. But I personally wouldn't want to be reminded of such a huge mistake. So I'd really stick to coffee, turmeric, saffron, and chariots. Yeah, or some if citrine. You, citrine, yes. Solar energy, yes. Yeah. Gold, of course. Star patterns, weirdly enough, in the mix. Because you have oh, yeah. to think the dawn sky is is half of half of a sunrise and half of a night sky. So that duality yeah. is part of it. I love that. So nice. I think that's a great, I think that's a great way to honor a her, little I, a little a little intro. It's yeah. a little intro. I mean, you know, I I'm a bit of a Victorian lady and I just cannot with her erotic escapades. So much. It's so good. Um, so I love oats. And I think that's probably not. Oh, I love ho- I love holland oats. Yeah. I'm so excited that we're actually <laughs> a music blog now. Hi guys. Welcome to Pitchfork circa 2006. Uh, I love oats. And oat straw in particular is something that I use a lot. So this is a fun one. But oat or Avena sativa is in the grass family. That's right. We're talking about something that's not a mint or a daisy. It's wow. a grass. It's and a grass, you guys. Yeah, that's the uh, Poaceae family. So Avena sativa is native to like Europe and North America. It's spread all over the place. Um, I think originally it was found in the Middle East, but you know, Rome spread shit all over the place. And it's considered a cereal grass, which the term cereal grass made me think of like a cereal bowl full of like grass clippings covered in milk. And I was just like, no, thank you. Okay, Um, you say that. And I'm like, I bet that would taste like a matcha latte if you chewed it up. (laughs) Okay, but I'm not a cow. I don't want to do all the Am I a cow? I mean, I'm not here to cow shame you, my cow friend. But... <laughs> <laughs> I, I No, I'm kind of like, that's my favorite part about matcha. And I have eaten tea leaves before. So maybe I am a cow. Let's, no, let's keep I going. Mean, I like the grassy flavor. I just don't like the idea of grass covered in milk. Anyway, um, <laughs> so my favorite bit of like folklore, though, that I learned about oat today is that in the Middle Ages, they thought that oats attracted vampires. So farmers that grew oats would hang uh, garlic at their doors to ward off the vampires that the oats were luring in. I would say, OK, this makes a bit of sense to me, though, because okay. back in the day, People that grew oats were probably eating better than almost anyone around them. Yeah. So if you were a vampire, you'd want to go for well-fed people. Oh, that or, I mean, oats are so good for you. I wonder if the people looked younger, longer, and they were just like, are you a Or like their blood is healthier because, well, I mean, you're probably going to tell us why. They're real good for you. So 
Um, one of my other things I read, so there's a lot of like oat shit talking that happens historically. And one of my other favorite things I read is like this one book described them as a grain, which in England is generally given to horses, but in Scotland appears to support the people. Shady. So fucking shady, right? The Scots obviously like weren't the first people to cultivate oats, but they were pretty much the first people to like actually develop a love for them. The oldest known oats we can trace are back to like Egypt's 12th dynasty. So around 2000 BC, but some people do speculate that the Chinese may have been familiar with them even earlier than that. But there are some like records keeping issues, I suppose. So they can't actually prove it. But unlike wheat and barley, the Egyptians didn't actually cultivate oats. They were just like, yeah, these fucking weeds that pop up everywhere. So about like a thousand years after the Egyptians were like done taking oats for granted, the first attempts at cultivation started taking place, but people really still didn't dig them. And like the Greeks and the Romans considered oats foods for barbarians, (laughs) which fucking rude. And even today, actually 95% of the commercially grown oats are for animals not for people. Well, it's it, to me it's kind of like buckwheat too. Buckwheat is yeah. so it's good for you. I personally think it's really fucking tasty. I do too. But people will be like, "Oh, no." Like, I don't like udon because I hate the taste of buckwheat. And it's like, "You're fucking stupid. That's Buck- delicious." Delicious. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you and I are maybe not the norm on these things. Like we do like things that taste like dirt more than other people. Um which I love it. But so the Romans like doing what they did eventually, like, because they, you know, the Romans were in Egypt, the oats eventually found their way to Great Britain, right. To the British Isles. And that's where people were just like, Oh shit, this is like the perfect environment for growing oats. And Scotland in particular, apparently has like the perfect climate for growing oats. And so they quickly became like iconic in Scotland. and. They're also in haggis, like haggis contains Mm -hmm. oatmeal. So when you think of like the national food of Scotland, you think of haggis, it's like oats are in that. So like they're a fucking big deal. They're Um, basically the official food. Yeah, they are. They're like one of the national foods. I do also love that in the Oxford Companion, it says there seems to be an affinity between oats and people of Celtic origin. (laughs) And I just love how like puzzled they seem about this. Like, what is it with these Celts? Liking they oats. love those fucking oats, don't but they? I love oats. I eat a lot of oats. So now that we know a bit more about how undervalued oats have been, so there are actually though a few parts of the plant that you can eat, and it's all super nutrition, super nutritional. Why did nutritional get so hard to say? So there's the seed or the oat, the stems. And the leaves, which are considered oat straw, and then the bran, which is the outer layer of the whole oats. And you can actually grow oats as a cover crop, which would, you know, double as medicine. And of course, some like magical fun supplies. You can grow it in like a new garden pot. But the cool thing about oats is that they will actually break down over the winter and they provide a lot of nutrition for the soil. They're super nutritive. So they're really good to plant in maybe an older garden bed, something that's been used up a bit, things aren't maybe thriving there as much. That's a great place to like plant some oats for a season because they're going to break down and just really feed that soil. So whatever you grow there next year is going to do way better. Um, It's the nitrogen cycle, you guys. But to plant them, you're basically going to wait until you're out of the frost danger zone for wherever you live. 
Then you'll break up the soil and thickly scatter the seeds all over the area, like tamp them in lightly, and then just water periodically if you don't have regular rainfall, like me. And oats are super, super beautiful too, I think. They they look kind of like tall grass that has the oats on the end of them, then they almost feel like they're kind of like green shooting stars coming off the tops. In Texas, in Texas, we have a, a similar grass called switchgrass. Yeah, it does have which a similar has the, vibe. Which has the seeds hanging down to it. Well, because y'all know I'm a big Mesopotamia guy. No one loves Mesopotamia like Nick. Uh, oh, especially lately. I don't know why. I just can't stop. I can't stop reading about it. They had the, they had, they had some oats in Mesopotamia mm-hmm. and yeah, but it's like the old, the old style oats really, really look like that switchgrass because the seeds are, were a lot smaller. I mean, they have, they have heritage oats, which is sort of what they would have been growing back then. I mean, obviously if you grow oats now from seeds that you buy or, yeah, no. things have been cultivated and we've been picking the best specimens for thousands of years at this yeah. point. And so so now we've got like oats, oats, and it's like heavy yeah. and it like hangs over more. Yeah, but they're beautiful. But, but that switchgrass, like the OG oats were the seeds were a lot smaller and um it did it looked a lot like switchgrass. So for for any of y'all that live in Texas or Oklahoma, there's a lot of switchgrass there as well. Yeah. So it's beautiful. Anyway, I love the look of it. So I think it has a really great place in the garden. But let's talk about the medicinal values of the mighty oat. So oat has an affinity for your nervous and adrenal systems, your bones, your skin, and connective tissue, which I think the skin is probably what a lot of people are familiar with if you had chicken pox as a Mm. child and took an oat bath, which we will talk about. But they're so full of vitamins and minerals that it's also not surprising that they're considered nutritive. So that's an herb that has so much goodness for you that it's the reason that certain things, I think for a long time, were considered like wonder drug herbs, almost like dandelion falls into that, oat falls into that. Because at a time before modern medicine, so many people could have been deficient in different vitamins and minerals and not known what that meant or not been able to diagnose that. And so they would eat something like oats or dandelion, and it would seem like a miracle cure, but it's because it has so much nutritional value that it's helping create these balances. But the thing that's so cool about oats and the way they work with your adrenal and your nervous systems is that they like soothe and calm the system, but they also nourish it and help like build it. So it's stronger than it was before. It's, it is like food for your nerves. It really helps with like keeping everything healthy, firing appropriately, not getting into adrenal blowout. Your adrenal and your nervous system are really intricately connected and interwoven in your body. And so something that will support that system holistically, not just as like an alternative, like it's not just something for treatment. It's actually something that can help make the system stronger. So you do need to take it and like, moderately high doses for a few months to get the best effects. But this is one of like the best and most accessible things you can take if you're someone that's dealing with burnout. So we've all been there, right? You get to the point where it's it's adrenal fatigue. Everything makes you irritable. It for me, burnout really starts manifesting early on where I cry about everything at work. It's like any one thing can go wrong and I'm just gonna cry. And that's like one of the signs for me that I'm hitting burnout. 
Oats are really good for you in that case. And so you can use like the milky oat tops and the oat straw, which we'll talk about. But if those aren't accessible to you, even just eating oatmeal is going to give you some of that value. So I love talking about things like this that are super helpful, that are also accessible to most people. I mean, it's one of those things where I almost kind of wonder if oats help with anxiety because they're cleaning, kind of cleaning out your gut in a way. Or like giving you that like reset. So the fiber does have a lot to do with that because I think the number is 95% of the serotonin in your body is made in your gut. Yeah. And so gut health issues are very serious issues. But let's, let's talk about the different parts of the oat because the oat itself, eating oatmeal, I think the support for your digestive system is definitely a part of it. But there are other parts of the oat that are also really cool. And they're, it's pretty easy to get a hold of and they're not very expensive compared, you know, it's, it's not like we're telling you go out and buy saffron and take it. No, oat straw tea. It's oats, like uh, oat, oat straw. Stra- yeah. Oat straw tea is. It's one of my very, favorite things. It's so, and it's so affordable to you. Yeah. Although I would say, and I know Shannon was already going to say this later on, but it's like sourcing is so important because when I worked at the tea shop, when we would get cheap oat, oat straw, you would see sometimes like little pieces of plastic hay baling. Yeah, you have to in it. it well. And it's like, that's why we would get the good shit is because those like huge industrial farms are looking to make a quick buck and like sell something that would basically just sit there in the field Yep. as an agricultural product. And they don't always have the best practices as far as the stuff that's in the field, like cleaning it out. No, for sure. So the oat straw is, it's the leaves and the stems of the plant. So those are the pieces of the plant that we're talking about. And they actually contain really high iron levels as well as like uh, manganese and zinc. Oat straw is about four times more nutrient dense than oatmeal. Like it's intense, right? It, it just like blows your dick off. Like it's crazy how nutrient dense these are. And it provides calcium, silica, magnesium, and potassium. So it's really good for your hair, skin, and your nails. It's one of the things that I have my Nana drinking every day, oat straw tea, because she tore her ACL. And so this has been helping her. I have her taking this and like nettles every day. Which also, I mean, just that's the last thing Nana needs is a torn ACL. Yeah, I know. I know. It's a whole thing. Um, But it really is. It's a great alternative, too, because it has all of that, like the silica, magnesium, potassium, calcium. Those are all things that are good for like hair, skin and nails. So it's a good alternative to things like biotin, because I'm one of those people. I can't take biotin because it breaks me out like it gives me really bad acne outbreaks. And that's common for people that have oily, acne prone skin. Oat straw is not going to do that. It also has this really like it's a beautiful, like sweet green flavor that really is almost hay-like. So it is really good on its own, but it's also good in morning blends, which we'll talk about when we talk about what I have for tea in the morning. But you can also add it to something like mint or lemongrass for a bit of a more like power punch tea. I think turmeric would also be really good in it. Some like turmeric and some oat straw with a little bit of oat milk go wild bit of honey but so that that sounds so fucking good like just like those four things together as like a hot wintery drink nick and i like beverages um (laughs) i used to be a barista you guys i had to come up with stuff like this so 
I just like beverages. <laughs> so this oat straw is actually the part of the oat, other than eating oatmeal, because I eat oatmeal a lot. It's the part that I use most often, but I actually just finished mine. So I don't have a jar for show and tell, but there are other parts. So the fresh milky seed is also a part you'll see a lot when people are talking about like herbalism and oats. So these are oats that are harvested early and it's what's called the milky stage. They actually have the highest level of minerals like potassium and magnesium. And the milky oat seeds are actually only ready for a few days of the year. And that's because the latex will eventually dry out. So you have a really short window for when you can get milky oat seeds. And the literally, latex? Yeah, when you squeeze them, you get this like white latex. And that's why they call them milky oat seeds. And they're so good for you, but it is, it's such a small window. So you can buy things that are sometimes labeled as milky oat seed that are dried. And there's no point in spending money on something that's being billed as milky oat seed if it's dried. Because once that happens, like it rapidly loses the extra nutritional benefit. It's like at that point, you might as well just get oat straw. You also have like the mature seed part though. This is the part that gets eaten as food, like oatmeal. That's rich in things like silicon, manganese, zinc, calcium, phosphorus, vitamins A, B1, B2, and E. And this is actually the endosperm, which is the usual like product of milling. And then you have whole oat groats and groats are whole grains. Um, the whole kernels, including like the cereal germ and the fiber rich bran, as well as the endosperm, um, whole grain oats or whole oat groats, sorry, uh, contain high levels of nutrients uh, like soluble fiber, proteins, unsaturated fatty acids. There's vitamins, minerals, and lots of other phytochemicals. You can also get oat bran, which is oat beta glucan, and this is a soluble uh, a soluble fiber that's actually been linked to improving heart health and lowering cholesterol. Oat bran is the one you see in all the morning cereals when they're talking about how good it is for your heart. And oat bran can be found as a whole grain food product as well as like a medicinal supplement, right? So there are a few different ways to prepare these things, of course, like tea we've already talked about. The milky oat seeds though, again, they're really only good when they're fresh. And the best way to use them is to harvest them as soon as they're ready and then wear them in a blender with some either like high proof 95% alcohol or vinegar, let it age. And then you have this really beautiful green, super nutritious tincture. That's, I've had the tincture. I've never had milky oats because I have not got a source for them. I have seen some people say that this is a tincture that's actually better to make with vinegar, but your mileage may vary. I'm sure the 95% alcohol is just fine. Something else you can do though, if you have oat straw and you don't want to just do tea is you can actually simmer them covered until the water reduces by half or even three fourths. And then you have what's considered like a super infusion and you can add it like as a shot to a smoothie or something like that. Like but, a little concentrate. Yeah. Like a little concentrate essentially. But I love, I love adding oat straw to my tea in the morning. It is very calming. The milky oat tops, I think, tend to have the strongest reaction as a nervine. So like as a nerve tonic, I think you can feel it much more rapidly with the milky oat tops than you can with the oat straw. Because again, with the oat straw in particular, it's about long use of it, letting it build up in your system, letting it do the, the small building block healing that a lot of herbs are really good at. The milky oat tincture is a little bit more of like a hard hitting like medicine. 
but we, you know, I used to do um, this tea from the steeping room that was it was soothed so it was a nighttime tea because it had chamomile in it mm-hmm. and the chamomile would always make me sleepy but I really liked it because the oat was like just right just right there just kind of relaxing you but not putting you to sleep yeah it's very it chills you out it definitely chills you out I, I love that. I think it is very calming. It's part of the reason I like to have it in the morning. Number one, it's nutritive, but I am also like wound tight. I'm a very high strung person, shocking to everyone, I'm sure. So it's good for me. I like to have something like oat straw or even passion flower in the morning to help me kind of keep that calm a little bit longer throughout the day. But let's talk magic. We've talked about a tiny bit of all the amazing health benefits of these plants, but I, I I really liked when you did the list of vitamins and it was like half of all of the vitamins. Are yeah. there. It's, I think it's one of those things where if you're playing that game and you're stranded on a desert Island and you can only bring one thing, it should probably be oats. Yeah. Bring some fucking oats. No, you'll survive. You'll live. Way. You'll fucking live. You really would. You're welcome. And everyone. oat straw tea. Is it's it good? Is good. You it like good. I, I? I mean, that's why I keep having to jump in because I'm like oat straw. You guys, I love like, it. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. So, magic though. Okay, oat is a feminine plant. It's associated with the planet Venus, the Earth element, and the astrological sign Taurus, and of course, money magic. Is that because so, cows eat oats? It is. That's why. That's what Scott Cunningham said to me personally. He called me. (laughs) Anyway, um, and it's also really commonly associated with like money magic. I think that the tie to money and prosperity makes a lot of sense when you think about oats history as like a staple food crop. You know, if you're a farmer and the oat fields are fertile, you're going to be able to survive and thrive doing well the idea of money is a direct result of oat cultivation da 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 da, da. yes yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> thanks mesopotamia i know i i feel like we're gonna have to do a bonus episode where you just get to like talk about mesopotamia uh but one of the most obvious ways i think to use oats magically is in kitchen magic obviously no shit I know, uh, especially with the Taurus representation, like, oh, I'm sorry, a plant associated with Taurus is really good for kitchen magic. Wow. It's like florals for spring. But <laughs> you, you can, one of this idea that I had that I want to try, I was thinking about how I could use them in bread, right? Because everyone sees bread that has oats on the outside, you know, they give such good like texture when you mix them in with like other seeds and stuff. But I was thinking it could be cool to arrange them in the shape of a rune or some sort of sigil on the bread before baking it. And that way you're infusing it with the magic. But then as it bakes and expands, it's going to get a little bit obscured. It's not going to necessarily look exactly like whatever you put on there, which I think especially for a sigil is super cool because part of it is not necessarily sharing it with other people all the time. So it's this cool secret magic that you've instilled in the bread that people aren't going to obviously see when they look at it. You can also, of course, make one of my favorite cookies, 
oatmeal cookies as an offering. Uh, you could also think about if you are a parent and you have little ones that have to do bake sales, making oatmeal cookies for the bake sale has this really cool added prosperity magical layer that's not going to get you weird looks from the uncool parents, but it's a like low-key witchy thing you could do for your kids. It's also totally what I would buy from a bake sale if yeah. I saw it like an oatmeal chocolate chip or like a good oatmeal raisin. I think, you know, the kind I'm talking about. Yeah, I am. I am pro chocolate chip oatmeal cookie, but it was because my granddad growing up made the best chocolate chip oatmeal cookies. And it was just, I think the recipe from the can of oats and oh my God, they're so good. But I just, I like the idea of doing them as a, for a bake sale and no one knows to, br like, to bring that like prosperity to the bake sale. And then, right. You know, it's like, Ooh, we succeeded our fund or we exceeded our fundraising goal. And you're like, and you're well. just in the back, like, that's right. You did. Um, <laughs> you can use oat seeds after they're dry when they're not like the milky oats anymore. I think they would be great additions to a prosperity bowl or a honey jar because when they're dry, they really are. They're really pretty, but they're pretty firm they're not crumbly they really do like the casing on them is I think would hold up well enough to be able to be in a prosperity bowl without immediately disintegrating so that I think could be a good option and if you have dry skin or you live in California where they have literally said it could get as low as eight percent humidity tonight oatmeal baths so I know I mentioned we were going to talk about them. They're not just for kids with chicken pox anymore. And I just, as a side note, I'm so glad kids are getting vaccinated for chicken pox now because my sister had them so bad when we were little that she ended up with them like inside of her mouth. She was one of those kids that got the super bad case of them. So I'm glad that kids don't have to deal with that anymore, but you can totally add oatmeal to a bath. I do have a, I have a chicken pox scar on my forehead that you can see. So, I, mine's on my ankle, so I can't show it to you. But, but I trust I, you. I think it's funny that we are both the oldest. Mm -hmm. And and neither of us was the one to get the bad chicken pox. Nope. But it was, I, it was funny because Taylor, my brother, was was the, the only other person in my family to get chicken pox because by the time the two youngest came along, they had the vaccine as babies. Yeah. It was pretty soon after us. We are like cuspers for the chicken pox vaccine. We're like the last chicken pox kids. Yeah. I'm like, I got my chicken pox scar. I'm going to get, what is that? What is that shit even called? Shingles? Yeah. That shingles. They say, yeah. I mean, I'll probably Yay. get it. That's the thing. But oatmeal baths, I think are wonderful. I love baths. It is bath season. So I found this great recipe that I'll, I'll end with, but I do have to throw in Beltane if we're going to talk about oats because they are considered like a staple food for Beltane. So you can make oat cakes, oatmeal cookies, even just oatmeal for breakfast that day. Because I also am all about ways to honor the Sabbaths in ways that work for you. And some years you can make a feast and some years maybe you just have oatmeal for breakfast and that's fine. That's how... You practice witchcraft. Speaking but again, bath season, is that Epsom salt on the table behind you? It is. Yes, it is. Very, it is. very cool. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so to end, though, I did want to talk about this 
recipe I found for a bath like that I'm going to make and I'm probably going to add my own spin to it. But you combine equal parts oatmeal, powdered milk, and chamomile blossoms. And you can put it in like a sock or a reusable tea bag. And then you put it in your bath and you fill it with hot water. And when you get in, you can like squeeze the bag or the sock to like release more of that milky, creamy deliciousness. And I just, I close my eyes and I can feel how soft I am. And I cannot wait to try uh, this. I fucking love that. And I'm also going to be doing that. Oh, yeah. And maybe we'll do like an Instagram live where we're, where we're both in like a chamomile and oat straw bath. I know we'll just Insta from the tubs. Um, so my sources today were verywellhealth.com, grow your own herbal remedies by Maria Noel Groves, ravensongseeds.com, Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs, speakingofwitchwands.net, kcru.org, and mamarosemary.com. Well, moving on, I'm excited for this segment. And it was funny when Nick and I were talking, we realized we had the person who is not a morning person doing all the research for this. Yeah. So I'm not a morning person. <laughs> and I, I did have, I, I think it, I, I always like a challenge. So this is, it was a pleasure to do. Don't get me wrong. But of the two of us, I'm a Virgo rising. I seem like yeah. a Virgo when you meet me in person. But IRL, I am a grumpy motherfucker who does not wake up until like 11 a.m. Yeah, as someone who has lived with Nick, we have very different sleep schedules. Yes. So, <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I think this is one of those situations, though, where like I needed a reminder that there's other times of day besides like one or two in the morning, which is like when I'm that's when I peak. Yeah, I'm know? usually texting Nick as I will often fall asleep on the couch before we mm, go up to mm-hmm. bed and then Eric will wake me up. And a lot of times when I'm texting Nick late at night, it's because I've woken up to move from the couch to go to bed. And yeah. so it's during my transitional period. So but sometimes I, Nick will get me for 15 minutes randomly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, I always love that because like, because no, I'm two hours ahead. So it's like yeah. no one's, no one here is up at like one no. or two. Like no one in my world is up that late. People do their craft early in the morning. So getting down to it though, we wanted to talk about why these sort of liminal times of the day can be so powerful in the magical sense because the, it, it's the in-betweenness. It can set the tone for your whole day. So yeah. you really do have this opportunity at this time to set the tone for your whole day. There are certain things that I do that I have like incorporated into the stuff that I do, but it's not in the actual early morning. And so as the morning person, I I did want to give you the chance to like tell us what do morning people do? What do morning people do? Well, we wake up in the morning. Uh, No, the thing that I really love about getting up in the morning for me is my partner is also a night owl. So it's my private time. It's the time that I'm alone. It's like, it's like, it's like your version of their nighttime. Exactly. Almost. Exactly. So I have a few different variations on my morning routine. So I'm a runner three days a week. Usually I go out for about an hour for a run in the morning, which is also wonderful to me because. Well, and you live in LA and it's 70 degrees. So that's true. It's 70 (laughs) degrees at like 630 in the morning. 
but I like to either go for a run in the morning or do some gardening. I really like to be outdoors. This is also when I try to get my grounding in. So I have neighbors that I'm sure at some point have probably seen me in the morning, step out off of my back porch barefoot into the grass because connecting with nature is really important to me. First thing I live in the middle of Los Angeles, but in the morning in the early morning where I live, you can trick yourself into forgetting that you're surrounded by millions of people. And I like to connect with the earth. So being out in my garden, I have morning glories planted and they're at their most beautiful. So I spend some time doing that. Actually, I, I wanted to ask about morning glories I during this them. segment. I'm so sorry to interrupt. No, yeah. I, I'm like interrupting your bit of my bit. So we're, we're no, doing interruptception. But... <laughs> When when do your morning glories open? Because when we had morning glories growing up, I noticed that they open at the same time every day. And then when daylight savings time happened, they still opened at the same time. Like it has to do so based on based on the light. Morning glories and datura or moonflowers, it all actually has to do with the barometric pressure, not the light, which is why, yeah. So the light is, you know, I'm sure part of it, but it really is more about the barometric pressure, which is why on cloudy days, you'll see that the morning glories will stay open without fading all day, which is really interesting. So I love them. Mine usually are opening when I've been up really early. They start opening around five is when you can start seeing them sort of uncurling because morning glories and moonflowers they get these really pretty like cones that are all twisted together that come out really prominently the day before they bloom. And then it's this really beautiful kind of like unsticking that happens as they twirl open and it can take. They twirl. It's like, um, yeah, no, I, yeah, they like twirl morning, open. Glo- morning glories are so beautiful. And I was yeah. like, really I have big blue morning glories. I, I was thinking like for this segment, I was like, plant some morning glories. I'll I'll take pictures. I have to take pictures because my blue morning glories, all my purple and pink ones have died off, but my blue morning glories are actually just starting to bloom now. And they're beautiful and they're huge. But so I do all of that first because for me, it's really about getting in nature. And then I will usually prep my herbal tea before I go take a shower. And so I do an herbal tea with a black tea blend in the morning because I don't drink coffee. So right now for me, that looks like nettles, oat straw until I run out, uh, turmeric. And then I have a Yunnan gold tea. That's really good that I'll include in that sometimes, or I have an Earl gray cream that I like to add Mm. to it. And I boil my water, put it over the jar, close it. And then I'll take that upstairs with me with my little bombilla straw so it can steep closed while I take a shower and I take my shower, I get all clean. And then I go into my bedroom and I spread out a towel and I sit in front of my altar and I light my incense and I get my sage going and a few candles. And then I do my herbal body oiling, which is a really important part of my, my personal practice, because it is this time where you do like, it's a self massage but you're also adding really good herbal oils to yourself. So mine right now is infused with calendula and rosemary and chamomile. And I've added a few drops of patchouli 
essential oil because I'm love it. I love it. I love it. So I body oil. It takes probably about 15 minutes, like literally neck to feet. I take the time. I body oil everything. And then I smoke cleanse and charge all of my jewelry that I'm going to be wearing that day. And then finally, the last thing I do is I pull a tarot card for the day and journal. And then once that's done, I like get dressed because I do all of this usually either naked or just wearing underwear because to me, it's it's kind of, I think, tying into that like uninhibited, like very animalistic mm, part of things. Mm-hmm. And I like doing my magical morning routine, not in clothes because I think as someone who's so type A and so anal retentive about stuff, something about also like being sky clad feels so magical because it's so different than how I operate in the day to day. So that's my general morning routine. Sometimes if it's, you know, if I'm not feeling like the body oiling or I'm having a day where I don't have all of that time, I'll go sit out on my back porch because my back patio, the way it faces, I can often see the moon first thing in the morning. And so I can sometimes sit out there to draw my tarot, but I do try as much as possible to draw a tarot card every day. It just helps me get the flavor of the day, journal about things while they're fresh. It's when I make some really big decisions and like gut discoveries when I'm doing that meditation, sitting in the incense smoke, you know, either my Palo Santo or my sage burning, like, and it's quiet, you know, it's, it's quiet. I'm, my dog's not around. None of the pets are in the bedroom when this is happening. Like this is like Shannon time. And it's, it's really lovely. And I feel so centered and I have my tea. If I add honey to it, if I'm like adding honey, I'll try to do the thing where I stir clockwise to add intention to my tea, but I don't always think about it. And so I do that when I think about it, but it's not as important to me as the ritual of making it and then drinking it. It takes a while for a big Mason jar to get cool enough to be drinkable. (laughs) So usually by the time that I'm done with my shower and stuff, it's getting to a temperature where it won't scald my throat. (laughs) And then, yeah, so that's, that's my general morning routine. That's what I do. That's my magical start to the day. It it really is funny that I got this one this week because I'm like, I get up and the very first thing I do is I go out on my patio and I've got my little house plants on my patio. Of course, you're, you're lucky uh, in where you live in that, like you're, place that you live is like a little townhouse so you have your little side yard kind of situation shared backyard and like I've got some space around my front porch yeah there's there's more like where I live feels very suburban even though it's Los Angeles but I would say you know it's like where I'm at in my complex even though I'm just in a regular second floor apartment like you you can see a piece of the green belt. Uh, it is north facing, so you can see a bit of the sunrise. Uh, yeah. You know, you can almost always see the moon from my patio, which is nice. I love morning uh, moon. She's morning so moon, good in the morning. Morning moon is that bitch. But, but for me, I'm like, I pretty much give myself like 30 minutes before I have to leave between when I wake up and when I'm about to go to work. Oh God. Yeah. I need two hours. Like I yeah, need two, two hours a, in the morning. Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I like wake no. up. I wake up on my Uber ride to work. Um, 
all of all so all of my manifestation and all of my magic that I do it it usually happens late at night um so here but but here I am talking to you guys about morning magic about the morning because it's so liminal it really is it's 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 like a but it's a liminal space and I think that's kind of what I wanted to focus on it's like how Aurora sort of dated or fucked or whatever the father of the stars where it's like sometimes you're so nocturnal you do bump into dawn and it's something that like I've wanted to get to know about a little better in like doing the research about this episode has given me some very cool ideas and I do like that that you mentioned it's where intense night people and very early morning people meet too which I think is really cool Yeah, yeah yeah and it means like dawn means business yeah regardless because if you've been up that late then you've been doing something to keep you up that late and if you're waking up that early then there is something that you have got to do yeah for all of you nocturnal witches like this is a good time to clean up your altar and like clean up after the spell work you've been doing all night because it is like the it's the shift change so sort of back to like the idea of grounding i think is very important for talking about doing magic at sunrise because i feel like that is very much the energy and we're gonna talk a little bit about like a very interesting form of grounding in this week's questionable witchy practices segment (laughs) yes we are but i think grounding is like the easiest and also the hardest thing to do when you wake up yeah but it also to me feels easier because there's not so much human distraction around so and it's that, easy yeah. because you actually do it early in the morning. Like when I'm trying That's to fair. do That's grounding fair. and like everyone's already up and like the world is already awake. See, this is, it's actually, I think maybe good that I did this segment because it's like, this is where I go wrong is that <laughs> I still try to do grounding, even though it's like 11 AM and the world is already going. And I'm like, not only are there more distractions than there would be if I did this at dawn, but also my ADD brain just won't shut the fuck up, you yeah. know? But I do think like getting some barefoot time in the grass is the most basic form of grounding. It's free. Um, if you can find the ground, take off your shoes, connect to it. Right. Like even just breathing some fresh air, being outside or even like watching the sky, you know, like watching the clouds, like connecting to the nature around you. Yeah. As it exists. But I feel like it's that time of day too where the vibe is not set in stone. No, it's a blank slate. So it's like the music you listen to is contributing to like your whole day, like the podcast you're listening to. And hey, maybe you're listening to a podcast right now. And if you are, good morning. Good morning. Beautiful human. We love you. Um. It really is like setting the tone for your entire day. So you do actually, you want to be careful. I don't watch the news in the morning. No, I should also say something that's very important about my morning routine that I didn't mention. I do not check anything on my phone until I'm centered. 
if I can avoid it. Sometimes I slip up, but it is really something I try to be purposeful about. Like I'm not reading emails. I'm not getting on Instagram and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling because man, that is a way to like start off on a bad foot. No, no, exactly. And it's like, I don't want to be pissed at my boss at 6.30. Yeah, no. So definitely like do what you can to stay away from all of that until you have fully centered yourself. As much Um, as possible. It's worth it. But but I was going to say, you know, it's like dawn is very much that time where like the day is not set in stone yet. So you can kind of infuse those intentions in just based on like what you're choosing, even for stuff like music and podcasts. You know, it's like, but I think uh, if you if you keep a manifestation journal, this is the time to like come up with some manifestations for the day. Yeah. Like not the night before. Like nighttime is very dreamy. It's very unfocused. It's very wild almost. Morning time is business time. Yeah. And so you want to come up with those manifestations during business time. Yeah. Uh, And I think I, you know, just something to think about if that is something that you were interested in trying is to be reasonable with it. You know, I can almost hear the groan coming because it's like, people are like, but we're witches. We don't have to be reasonable. Like the whole thing is that we're, we're magical. We're magical and slightly irrational, but we don't care. And it's like, no, but, but if you set reasonable goals for the day, you actually do feel better when you complete them. And one of the things I love to do is add something that you know, you're going to do to your to-do list. It's that mental win of checking it off. It's when I graduated from UT, um, the commencement speaker gave this great talk, but he talked about how you should always make your bed first thing in the morning, not for any reason other than it means you've already accomplished something. No matter what else happens that day, you've already accomplished one thing. And it really is so much easier to keep doing things if you have one thing you can check off. So even if it's not making your bed, it's something you already know you're going to do put that on your to-do list because when you have a victory, you're going to keep making them. You're like eight breakfast. Check. Fuck yes. Yes, I did. Yeah, I sure did. But I, I think, you know, if you, if you really are like, I'm, I want to win the lottery today. You're going to be disappointed. Mostly. You're going to be disappointed. But I, I think speaking of manifesting, which is, you know, it's like if you, I mean, we got to be honest here. It's like, if you Google morning magic, because I'm not a morning guy. I spent a lot of time looking at what other people do in the mornings for morning magic. (laughs) And like the answer is manifestation. And I'm like, okay, well, you can manifest stuff other times of day, but okay. But speaking of manifesting, I think one of the best ways to put some intention into the energy of the day is by setting some intentions while you make your coffee. Like you were talking about, like stir your intentions in, with with your sugar or honey, you know, put a little put a little pep in your step while you Ooh. actually put a little pep in your step. Um, <laughs> I, I think of it as like infusing the energy with the with the energy. I mean, like you're actually getting energy from caffeine. Uh, but I feel like the sunrise, you know, a little sunrise cup of coffee Heck yeah. is one of those things that kind of circling back around is also very grounding. Like it could be manifesting and grounding at the same time. But this is also, like you said, a great time to do a morning tarot session. Like early morning, pull a card. It's very liminal time. 
it's like the new day is taking shape. Get some guidance. And it's great because if you do it every morning, you can also look at your entry from the day before and the tarot card you pulled in the morning and often lull at how accurate things are. Because yeah. <laughs> you're just I like, mean, damn. journal about everything. Y'all know I want you to write shit down. Yeah. But yeah, this time of day really does have like potential. Yeah. Like in the truest sense of the word, it's all about potential. So without further ado, and also fully admitting that perhaps I'm not the person to ask about really anything to do with the morning. I did want to get into one of the things that I really wanted to highlight for all of the non-morning witches out there, which is the magical associations of coffee. So, uh, yum, yum. so for me, I'm, and I'm sure plenty of you guys listening as well, mornings just aren't it. And when I think about my morning routine, it is that later morning routine. And at it, the sun is up. Dawn, do not know her. It's a theory. <laughs> I've heard about it. I saw it one time. There was hummingbirds. Is that normal? Like, well, that's just that's just because you have so many fucking morning lurries, Shannon. You're right. You're right. Get out of here. But one of the things that I my grumpy fire sign ass always does is drink me some coffee. So diving in, one thing I read that I absolutely loved was leaving some coffee beans on your altar to give energy to the spirits that you're petitioning. Oh, I love that. Like, if you really want a spell to work, throw some coffee beans in so, they, so they've got the energy to do it. Give them a little pep in their step. Um, yeah. And I think you could, you could leave coffee beans out. You could also leave a cup of coffee out. Like, if you have a deity that you regularly commune with and you're asking or you're working with them, which a lot of times involves asking for things give them a cup of coffee in the morning pour them a cup pour pour them a cup put it on your altar you can be their best part of waking up (laughs) i mean wouldn't wouldn't that be a great position to be in um so yeah you could put a cup of coffee out on your altar if you i mean if you want to but I think also one of the things that I really loved about uh, sort of learning about the magical associations of coffee is that you can add coffee to pretty much any spell if you need it to be a bit quicker. So for like speed. It's like some hurry up powder. Yeah, like a little hurry up powder. Throw some coffee in there. Um, But I think the most useful unintended consequence of brewing coffee is that it can actually clear negative energy and sort of like a mini smudging and i would ask you and i would ask anyone listening to think about if you've ever woken up to the smell of coffee already brewing yeah or if you or if you have walked into like if you have an office and and someone is brewing coffee as you walk into the office. It really does create that like clean energy, that kind of like you're excited for the day. Like you almost can't be mad when you're in a room that smells like coffee. Coffee is very cleansing. It also cleanses your insides. It I mean, it cleanses a lot of shit. Something to think about 
just as far as like the magic, the magical qualities of coffee is if you think about its uh, use as a palate cleanser, even. So you think of that action of like cleansing, it's that's like very much in coffee's repertoire. So I think yeah. there's also this aspect of like coffee cleansing away your your nightmares or like your concerns for the day and just letting you move on refreshed i love um, that and so we we do love coffee we do love coffee so much which just to kind of bring it back to the main thread of like dawn magic i think the power of manifestation for the next phase of the day which i very much think of as like a wheel is like there in those liminal twilight places and in between, I think, cleansing. For me, it is very much part of the ritual because then it's it's that you feel clean so you can start because you got rid of everything from the day before officially, yes, you're, including you're the fresh. dirt and grime. You're fresh. Yeah, spiritually but and physically. Just to kind of go back to, to sort of my slant on morning magic, which is coffee magic, <laughs> because I'm not a morning person. I noticed when I was using a coffee body scrub that I didn't feel the need so much to do the salt scrub for purification when I mm. do wake up, which to, to, you know, to reiterate is not done, but I, it's very, it's very cleansing. Like that yeah. coffee, coffee is very cleansing, but I feel like doing the cleansing in the morning, not only takes care of your self care quota for the day, at least a little bit, but it really does set you up for success and yeah. sort of circling back around i feel like dawn sunrise like it's business time sunset is relaxation time sunrise it's is mother it's motherfucking business time it's um business time and i like that really feels like such a dawn vibe because yeah. it's so business like and that's like no surprise that coffee is associated with manifestation, industriousness, um, and curse breaking. Okay. So. Hey, if you got a curse to deal with, coffee. If you got a curse to deal with, um, coffee. So you can use coffee for things other than just dealing with the world in the morning. Uh, and so speaking of sunrise magic, you guys, sun gazing is still <laughs> super bad for you. Recently, a video came out featuring two uh, young rappers, uh, the, the Island Boys. They're not called the Island Boys, but the song is called Island Boy. And they talked about staring at the sun, sun gazing, like Connor Murphy has talked about sun gazing. When we talk about grounding, I do get worried that people are going to Google how to do grounding techniques and then find some fucking idiot talking about sun gazing. Yeah. Don't do it. Donald Trump did it. You should know better. Just yeah. Do I mean, honestly. Yeah. Really though, which we're very close to the bitter end. You guys, there's more you could be listening to. So sure this is. week I actually recorded the bonus episode for patreon which is with my very very old friend eve from the tea house which we were talking about the oat straw like we worked in the tea house we like measured that shit out and opened those packages of 
oat straw with the with the hay bales still in it. But Eve lives in a haunted house. So if you want to hear me and Eve talk about what it's like to live in a haunted house, you're going to have to subscribe to the Patreon and get in on those bonus episodes, you guys, because it was so good. It's so funny. And honestly, having heard the story before we did the episode and then actually asking the questions during the episode, I was like, oh, my God, this shit is real. (laughs) no it was it was great a lot of cool shit going on in that episode so you should go to patreon.com slash wands and friends pod and get on it it's not that expensive five dollars a month that's you can buy us a coffee yeah you could buy us a coffee and lord knows we need it so speaking of eve Eve is a Libra, and I think it's very appropriate that I just recorded the episode with Eve the other night, and then for this week's episode, it was like, you got to do something for Libra, Uh, but I also think it's really appropriate because we're talking about, like, sunrise, and everyone always calls Venus the morning star back in the day. For you morning star bitches, I drew the hanged man in reverse. So, I, you know, there's like two ways you can take it. So yeah. it's indicating that you've been trying to stay busy to like keep your mind off a certain situation. But the messaging here, I think, is very clear. If you don't take some time to breathe, the universe will make time. And that is a threat. Yep. But also, if you have been taking some time off, you could also see this card as a sign the green light to like get back in it. But the point here is that you do have to take some time. What your situation calls for is a clear head and a rested body. Mm. And you're simply not going to get that from running yourself ragged. Truly. So, and I think that is such an important message when we're talking about the morning. Yeah. Like it's so important to be well rested. So let's do let's do a quick sign off for all these morning yeah. bitches. They're they, they got business to take care of anyway. Yeah. You so, business bitches. You can email us at wandsandfranzpod at gmail.com to tell us whether or not you're into boning first thing in the morning or diddling yourself. Choose your own adventure. Do you like to get sexy in the AM? I'd love to hear if y'all have cool morning routines. Like what do y'all do if you're magic makers in the morning? Um, If you think that morning people are fucking obnoxious, you can yell at me too. You could also message us uh, at Wands and Franz pod on Instagram and tell me what an idiot I am to love the morning. Come at me. I'd love to fight with you. I'm about to start my period. Let's go at it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What a time to be alive. So. I guess, what do we say to all of the morning bitches? We say, have a blessed morning, bitches. (laughs) Have a blessed morning, you morning bitches. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye now. PG-13, I mentioned a cigarette. Oh, no. Okay, we're we're off of Disney. (laughs) We just got kicked off of Disney.